1: Welcome to the Flyers Talk podcast. I'm Katie Emmer. We have a lot to get to today. Of course, I'm joined by very special guest, Jordan Hall. But we even have someone that hasn't been on the pod today yet. And we're so excited to have him to break down even more of of the stuff we've been talking about the last couple or the last week. It it feels like it's been more, Jordan. Uh, Flyers officially no Flyers hockey for the last week. Like I said, I mean, it just feels like it's been months.
0: It sure does, Katie, and and we're and we're absolutely thrilled, especially during this time, to uh, to introduce to you a special guest uh, entering. He's in his 26th season as a Flyers broadcaster, the legendary voice, play-by-play voice of the Flyers, Jim Jackson. Jim, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Ah, thank you, guys. I needed something to do, so this is great. Yeah. We're
1: so happy to have you. I, I mean, I we all go around the last couple of pods that we've had, and just. It's definitely an interesting time just with our careers and what we do is cover sports, cover hockey, and nothing's going on. So with that, any shows, JJ? Any board games? I mean, what have you been doing? And how's your family doing? How are you doing?
2: Well, it, 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 the family is all here because my son's hockey season ended uh, because obviously of the everything being stopped and my daughter was already here. But her uh, job where she was working also pretty much has set her home. So we're all here. And uh, it's kind of neat to actually spend some time together. You try to find positives out of a negative, and uh, that is one of them. We we are Homeland Watchers, so we we caught up on Homeland all the Homeland issues for, or uh, Homeland episodes from this year. We were we were way behind, so we've caught up almost. We have one more to go. So don't tell me what's going on if you are a <laughs> Homeland Watcher. And we I think also. I am. Yeah, some of us watch chicago fire too believe it or not so we we uh, my son really likes that so we we actually dug back and been watching a lot of those uh outside of that i'm cleaning my office which desperately needed it so there's another positive out of the negative i do not have lots of long breaks so uh, this gave me yeah. a chance to just dive i'm actually finding stuff from like 93 94 my first year and uh things that i have to uh obviously clean up that's 27 years ago it's it's time it's time to to clean these things up i
1: hate to do this to you jj you've been doing this longer than i've been alive um
2: thank you very much it's been nice talking with you guys oh no you're staying
1: put you're staying put (laughs) with that i mean even jordan too jordan what were you a little two-year-old little pup yeah Um, maybe when when jj got into the uh league but again uh (laughs) it's so cool i mean what's been I want to get more into flyers eventually, but just starting off, like what's been your favorite moment from all of this in your career uh, and what's been a big highlight for you just from what you've been able to cover over these years?
2: Yeah. I mean, I get asked that a lot of, as to my favorite moment, uh, it's so hard to pick one. A lot of people think I would go to Primo's goal and the, uh, you know, the, Long game in Pittsburgh in 2000, that certainly Long. has been Five <laughs> the longest, longest game in the modern history of the NHL still. Uh, so that one is obviously right up there, and that kind of has been my answer all, uh, at least for 10 years it was my answer. But then in 2010, the remarkable season, the the shootout against the Rangers is one of my favorite moments, obviously because two rivals, one team goes on, one Team goes home. Lundquist in that it was it was awesome, uh, and obviously coming back to beat Boston later on in those playoffs that was historic too. Uh, so that's right up there. Uh, and then Jeremy Roenick's goal going back again to 20, uh, 2004, which sent the Flyers on to the the next round uh, up in Toronto after Sammy. Uh, Kapanen had uh, scrambled back to the bench that that sequence might be one of my favorite sequences because I was completely out of voice by the time JR finally scored but uh, there's so many I I mean I can think back from a patriotic standpoint to a a game we didn't even do a preseason game back in 2001 after 9-11 when the president's speech was put on in between periods and the players all came out to start the next period, but the speech carried over. They cut the speech off for a second on the scoreboard and all the fans booed. They put it back up. The players all stand around on the ice to watch the president finish his speech. And then they, they call the game and then they just shake hands, et cetera. Ice to all these players from different countries from around the world. Uh, that is a moment that I'll never forget just because of the sheer importance of it and the sheer symbolism of it. So uh, I could never really say one over the other. I've just been blessed to... Uh, to see so many great events. I mean, I've also done some great stuff on the baseball side, being able to sit next to Harry Callis when he got to call his first uh, world championship. He did not actually call the, the 1980 Phillies championships. So uh, in 2008, to be sitting right next to him and to, to see him nail that call, and he's his tears in his eyes. Uh, another great moment, as was the parade. But, I mean, there, there are just so many. Uh, it's tough to nail down one, but there's some of them.
0: Those are some really, really cool memories, Jim. Um, Something that we'll probably also never forget is uh, what's occurring now. Um, And obviously with the NHL on hiatus, Jim, you were in uh, Tampa Bay uh, last Thursday uh, as obviously the NHL suspended the regular season. If you can just kind of take us into the background of how you found out and just kind of what the scene was like down there.
2: All right, I'll take you all the way back, Jordan, to the last home game, which was on the Tuesday night against Boston. Winning streak, unfortunately, came to an end. But I remember talking with my producer, Brian Cooper, uh, before the game saying, what do you think the chances are this is the last game we do in front of fans? Because at that point, the city of Philadelphia just put out the recommendation to not have gatherings of over 5,000. It came out pretty late in the day. The Flyers went ahead with the game, sellout crowd. Flyer fans are stopped by nothing. Uh, and, you know, now nine days later, that doesn't seem like it was very smart because obviously this thing is spreading like wildfire. But at the time, it, it, it was cool to see the, the Flyers fans uh, basically say, we're still going to the game. Yeah. But we did that game. The game went on, obviously, without a hitch in terms of any of those issues. Uh, it went with a hitch and that the, Philly, the Flyers lost, but, uh, yeah. uh, you know, the streak came to an end. But I do remember at that point, we started to think, Things are getting different here. So I was not on the team charter going to Tampa the next day. My son had a playoff game, so I was going to stay and then and fly commercial. So I did. I flew commercial to Tampa after his game on the Wednesday. And I think reality hit home for me on that flight or waiting for that flight and then the flight because it was a flight. I'm used to being on packed flights when I'm flying commercial. It was hardly packed and many people had masks on. And there was a little girl who was about nine years old, and while we were all in the, uh, standing there waiting to board, she started coughing. And the sheer look of terror on the face of anyone within any kind of distance of her, uh, people backing away, people almost looking at her like, don't, don't cough. <laughs> it, it was it, it was just, at that point you realize that, you know, we live in our bubble in this sports world, but I realized, wow, this is really, I mean, this is serious. And people are, are very scared. And uh, I remember sitting down while I was waiting for the flight uh, in a, one of the, the restaurants nearby. And I was grabbing something to eat. And there was a, a girl there and uh, somebody started sneezing not too far. And she looked at me and I looked at her and I said, crazy world now. And we started talking about this. And she talked about how, you know, it, it's really, it's, it's scary. So I went to Tampa in that frame of mind. And then it wasn't that long after I landed and got to my hotel room, I was going over the open with the with Ryan Cooper, but then I started seeing the NBA uh, shutting down, and you knew at that point that uh, things were going to change rapidly. We did not, uh, Wednesday night, officially cancel the Flyers game or, or uh, certainly the NHL season, but in my mind, once the NBA shut down, I don't think any other sport had a choice. Uh, it seems like an easy decision here just a week later, doesn't it? But... It it really at the time there was this big question: Are they going to actually shut down the whole season? And so I got up and I did my regular prep on Thursday morning. Hard to believe that was only a week ago. It seems like about three weeks ago, but, uh, and I did my regular prep. And I remember talking with Timmy Saunders, the radio voice, saying, "This is kind of weird doing all this prep because I really don't think this game's going to get played." The the rumors were were around that there were there was going to be a. a Board call, a conference call, at one o'clock. So we kind of knew that was when the news would come down, and that's pretty much how it happened. Maybe a little bit after that, but we were called over to the uh, Amelie Arena just to do a quick uh, hit. Uh, Taryn, uh, Jonesy, and I, and we just did a quick hit for the network, uh, talking about the scene there, and and that that's it. You know, we flew back the next day. The team flew back the next day, and I have been pretty much at my house ever since. I I'm not quarantined or anything, but I'm trying to follow the directions of of the, the health officials and they, they say avoid contact. So I'm trying to do my best to do that, except for when I, I have to go out.
0: ACME is immediately hiring employees for their stores and distribution center to serve the increasing needs of communities during this unchartered time. If you or someone you know is looking for an exciting opportunity, ACME is currently hiring at every store location, including their distribution center. Go to acmemarkets.com forward slash careers.
1: Yeah. And JJ, you talk about such a rapid situation. I mean, it sure is. And a, a topic that I brought up to Jordan before in the last couple of pods has been like this whole Rudy Gobert. I mean, right when that situation happened, you talk about the NBA um, suspending their season. Like you sort of expect it with maybe the NHL. We see that happen. And now we just see the whole. I feel like the whole world. I mean, it, and maybe it was due. I mean, it was um, a matter of time for that to happen. Great to see it happen now. I mean, it's it's all about the safety first, which we all know so well. But I mean, even your sons, uh, your son's, uh, NA, he's in the NHL, I believe. Correct. I mean, that even is it, closed he, down.
2: Yeah, they that was the last game he played. It was a, about a one o'clock game, I think, on the Wednesday there, or t- noon game actually. And uh, they, in fact, as that game was happening. Uh, that was uh, not Wednesday, but the, the, actually he played a, a game the next day, Thursday, that I couldn't go to. Obviously, I was going to be in Tampa Bay, and I was watching that game. You can watch these games now anywhere. I was watching on hockey TV, and yeah. uh, I was watching. And This is when all the news was filtering out, and I, I was sitting there watching this saying say, this might be the last hockey game that's played. Uh, they got done around 2, 2.30, and by then, the NHL had already canceled, and all the other leagues were following suit pretty quickly. Uh, So it was kind of weird that I'm watching my son play hockey in this game. and I'm thinking, I don't think there's going to be many more hockey games for a while. At the time, I was hoping a month, but I think that's uh, optimistic now.
1: Yeah, maybe something, too, that I'm just thinking about now. And it's maybe actually something I've been thinking about for a while, just on that topic of the sports world with the NBA and the NHL and now we see schools JJ and we see everything else. And Jordan and I have talked about just that trickle down, that rapid fire. It's been everything. How much do you feel? How, in, how important, I guess are sports, it, it really feels like they set the tone for this and everyone else is following suit. Even yeah. you see schools and cities and restaurants.
2: Yeah, I do believe the NBA, they were the tone setters. I mean, uh... They, they they set the whole thing in motion, I, I do believe. Now, I'm not saying they were ahead of the curve. They had an actual player test positive, so they were kind of forced into it. But I think that brought everybody to the realization that this is going to spread. And once you knew one NBA player had it, you knew more would have it. And that obviously has turned out to be the case. Now we know there's been a, at least one NHL player with it. NHL made the right move. I mean, if we play those games on Thursday night, who knows if, I'm not sure if the Senators were scheduled to play that night, but if they're playing somebody and he gives it, I mean, who knows where this has gone from there. So it was the right move, uh, but the NBA definitely, they were the first to make it, and, and sports kind of, with the, uh, shortly thereafter, March Madness being canceled, and then right down the line, I, I think sports did kind of uh, get everything else in motion. But I, I will also tell you this, as much as I, I like Homeland and Chicago Fire, this sports. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard not to have sports to to follow to, to watch uh, all of them I'm a sports fan as much as I'm a sports announcer not just hockey and baseball are the sports I do but I love football and I love um, basketball and I certainly March madness and uh, so this is uh, this is different I've not really been through much I I, I think back to the lockout of 05 in terms of missing hockey but that was just one sport you had other sports you could go to you have nothing else sports wise to really go to right now and it's a uh, Something I've, I'm trying to still come to grips with. It's it's really difficult. It's different.
0: Definitely, uh, Jim. And and we're speaking of, you know, a different time. We're, we're eager to get your thoughts on this because I think a lot of fans now are just kind of asking what's next. Um, and just a few days ago, uh, a report from Frank Salervelli of TSN uh, came out that players have been kind of kicking around ideas of, what they think could be next in terms of when to resume the season, can they finish it? And they came out with an interesting proposal um, that they could resume a training camp in early July, finish the regular season in July, then hold the playoffs from August to September. Then the all season would uh, be held in October for free agency in the draft. And then they believe they could pick up the, the following regular season, play all 82 uh, obviously that would really significantly shorten their off season. It would obviously condense the, the days of rest during the next regular season. Um, Jim, what do you think about that? Do you think that's plausible, um, something that can be done? What are your thoughts?
2: Well, it's, it, this is all obviously conjecture, right? Because yeah. it, as every day goes by, it seems as though the possibility of this lasting longer seems to grow, which would not be good. Uh, early July training camp, Starting the resumption or finishing the 2019-2020 season in late July, I guess, is what they're proposing. And then playoffs in August, September. I, I think to expect players, those that play in the playoffs, to be ready to go with that little time between seasons is going to be really difficult. The playoffs, even if you just start them up, are going to be a grind. Now, the fact that they're saying playoffs taking place over August and September, I'm not sure what format they're talking about, but I'm assuming at least eight teams, if not all 16, if it's going to take two full months. Mm-hmm. To me, those teams will have no chance the next season. Uh, hockey is not basketball. You could do this with basketball uh, because you can, you can bounce back from playing basketball. Basketball is a summer sport in most of the world, right? So it's not not a, a major problem, I don't think, for basketball. But hockey is such a physical sport. I just see a real difficulty getting a, the turnaround from the end of the season in September to the beginning in November. Oh, by the way, throwing in the draft and free agency uh, in between there, that to me seems like a tall order. I, I would be more for uh, – if, if, and given the schedule based upon this proposal, they're assuming we'll be back to normal life in, let's say, July mm-hmm. – I mean, if if you can get a really condensed, I mean, very condensed, maybe only 14 playoff, uh, maybe a uh, sneak it in there and get done somewhere, maybe. But to me, if we aren't going to be back able to play hockey by late July, as this proposal indicates, I have serious doubts that we'll be able to crown a champion this year, which would really be terrible. But you don't want to make next year compromise next year too uh and then end up with injuries and so forth uh, to me i i think you know if, if everything's back to normal by july we we might say okay uh you know last year unfortunately ended it, it was uh, not anything anybody could control and uh we start anew with the normal relatively normal schedule in september october and you can still obviously get your your draft and your uh your free agency period in at some point. You can do the draft and free agency even under the uh, restrictions we're under now because obviously you can do everything electronically. So uh, we we can get those taken care of. But it's actual physical playing of the games. If we're not able to do that until late July, I would think it would be very difficult to uh, come up with a way to finish last season. Uh, You know, it's possible that we can get this thing going maybe in June. Mm -hmm. Uh, If that's the case, then you can as I said, really, I would have to think shorten the playoffs somehow. Maybe maybe eight teams get in, but the first round is shorter. Uh, um, and that way it's three rounds with one round shorter, and you can get it in in a little over a month and be done by maybe the end of July, maybe. But that, even then, is really pushing it for those teams that go all the way because they're going to have roughly a month to get things restarted. And that's not enough time. I don't think physically for these players to get ready for another season.
1: JJ, I completely agree with you. I mean, this, we've been talking about this and, and when this comes out with the players proposal, I found it pretty surprising. Um, and, and at the same time, like maybe they view this time and it is a time of rest. They're hanging out with their families, but at the same time, it's not, it's not your off time that you have in the summer. You're still standing by. You're trying to keep in shape. You're, you're idling for the next call that you're going to get on when the camp is going to start up. I find it the same way as you, that next season, there, there's no reason to, in, or uh, to mess up next season to the, to mess up that start. And I don't think it would be that big of a mess up from what we're seeing with the proposal. But I mean, that later start in the year. And my biggest concern is the time off. They don't have any time off for this very physical game, as you mentioned. Uh, I think you're risking injuries. I think you're risking way more just to award a Stanley Cup. I mean, again, let's hope we're back in June. Let's hope they have a, a modified playoff format here on the circumstances that are so unfortunate. Um, cause again, a great flyers team that we were very all excited about. Um, I know it's not all about us. I know every NHL team is struggling with this guys, but I know flyers fans here. Everyone wants to see them back out on the ice. And if they are going to be, I really hope it's going to be a modified format too. And I hope we don't see anything in, uh, uh, messing up next season. I can't think of the word I'm trying to use, guys. It's one of those days.
2: Compromise. But
1: anyway... Uh, um, I, when
2: I, I, I think... And I don't want to demean this proposal because any idea is a good idea to try to figure out a way to award the Stanley Cup. I, I'm a yeah, big historian. Yeah, who knows historian. the right answer right now? Yeah, yeah I'm yeah, a big none of us historian. Know. And I, I hate the fact that, that the Cup wouldn't be awarded. But if we get moving into uh, June and then into maybe even early July without anybody even being able to get on the ice, I... I just think you're running out of time at that point, um, and then to just cram, try to cram everything into me seems a little. I, I don't know if it's it's uh, making things worse a little bit. As as I'll use the word I came up with, you might compromise a little bit of what's going to happen next season. So, uh, I, we'll we'll see. Uh, I do. I, I want to find a way. I, I'm even up for if this if if the restrictions are relaxed by let's say June 1st, uh, might have to be games in front of empty buildings. I understand that. But if the players can actually play the games by June 1st, I'm even up for a fourteen playoff. And unfortunately, that would probably rule us the, the Flyers out, barely. But anything to get a little tournament to, or the Cup, but to have just a month between this season and next to me, that's where I think you get into trouble. So, and really, if it's in June and you can play games in front of uh, no fans by June, and again, I have no idea if this is the case. We're still in, uh, everyone tells me, the early stages of this, and I'm looking at the numbers that are on my television as I'm doing this right now. And hmm.
1: It's not a fun situation, yeah. No,
2: I mean, it's it's getting worse instead of better, so I don't know if June 1st is even close to a reality, but you might just shorten the playoffs by one round, have eight teams get in, that way the Flyers can get in there. Uh, Just take the top eight teams and have your have your playoffs. Maybe you have best of five instead of best of seven, whatever. But that way you're at least still awarding the cup and you're getting the best teams in there. But uh, as if by the schedule they're laying out there, it's like late July. By the time we get back to game starting, that to me seems uh, really tough.
1: I I don't want to imagine being a part of these meetings. I mean, I I don't know how they do it. Uh, They will be able to find something, but. Yeah. Jordan, what do you think from this player proposal? Do you agree with uh, the dates there? Do you think that is there a concern for you in in um, getting into next season and in the time off?
0: Yeah, Katie, I I was actually pretty open to the idea when I when I first saw it presented. I was like, oh, wow, like that, you know, that would be a best, you know, a really good scenario where, you know, the, nothing is really sacrificed in terms of this regular season. Um but then, uh, what like what you and Jim said, that uh, you can really, that significantly impacts next season and really shortens the offseason. Uh, and then, yeah, you're risking injury and all types of things for 2021. And, and that's where it gets kind of scary. I think that proposal was very hopeful-oriented. Yeah, uh, I just, agree. You're just, you're trying to make the best out of the situation, but I just – I don't know if that can happen. Um, the other
2: aspect of this, Jordan, that, that we don't even take into consideration is these games are, are played because you want to have fans there, uh, but they're also played for television, and you're going to have all kinds of <laughs> television issues with this schedule with other sports. Uh, actually, so, yeah. yeah, where they're going to put the games and all that. I mean, it seems like a minor JJ, thing, but it-
1: JJ, what about arenas? I mean, you got you got arenas. Yeah, I know they're asking for too. availability, but you have summer concerts. There's gonna be country. There's gonna be all different sort of music events. I I could imagine. I mean, this is the planning for this is yeah. completely off the rails.
2: Yeah, it w- it will be a major task to put that all. in gear. although I will say this, unlike a a sport coming back from a work stoppage or something like that, everything stopped. So I think right now arenas right now have blank schedules. So. Uh, it'll be almost like putting those schedules back together from scratch as opposed to having I mean, to try to fit the games in.
0: And Jim, and and obviously, just as we're discussing, uh, there's just so many different scenarios. And I guess the, the harsh reality we have to somewhat um, debate is that, you know, could this be it for 2019-20? Tw- so uh, we actually had an article go up, um, published on Wednesday, uh, Katie... Myself, Brooke Destra, and Taron Hatcher—we all kind of picked our favorite moment so far from this flyer season. So, Jim, I'm—I'm I'm eager to hear uh, if you can. Uh, do you have maybe a favorite moment off the top of your head that you can think of?
2: Yeah, I mean the the Kevin Hayes championship belt goal in, in yeah. Columbus certainly I knew is it. one of. No, that's not it. That, that's certainly up. <laughs> oh,
1: okay, But right. my
2: favorite moment, mainly because this guy has given me—and I know Katie, you as well—angst uh, over the course of for me, his entire career for Katie, at least this year, over the pronunciation of his name. My favorite moment was Brad Marchand with his yeah. little whiff in the shootout.
1: <laughs> JJ, <laughs> my favorite it. was your call on that. You yes. were like, <laughs> it was the best thing ever, and of course we saw that go viral, and just your voiceover. It was so funny. You see Marchand like, just walking off the ice, into yeah, the tunnel, right. <laughs> the rest
2: of the I team mean, following him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> outside of Sidney Crosby, and there, there might be another player or two, but he's as his he's he's disliked everywhere except Boston, right, Marshawn? Yeah. Uh, because of his style of play, and of course he's he stirs the pot and all that. But but for that guy to have that happen to him to end the game, um, it's my second favorite shootout moment in Flyers history. Obviously, number one is that Rangers game back yep. in 2010. But it, it to, to have him just barely nudge the puck, and, and that was it. It wasn't like the first shooter or something like that. That that ended the game. That, that was, uh, that was, that's my favorite moment. And that's kind of weird and kind of, I, I don't want in some ways, I didn't want it to be my favorite moment because <laughs> this team's done so many great things this year. It should probably be a moment where one of the flyers did something spectacular because there've been so many great performances this year. But if I'm being honest, that's my favorite moment.
1: Oh my gosh. And I, I've been saying that uh, to Jordan yeah. knows this and, and Joe too on the last pod, it's completely that for me, but. I had to think of something else, and I had to go with J.J. Uh, Matt Niskanen um, getting hit with a, with a uh, very hard puck to ah, the yes. face um, and just saying it's really not as bad as it looks in post-game. That was my favorite. Sorry, Jordan, you yeah. go ahead.
0: No, I, I, Katie, because I know Katie, uh, her, one of her favorites was, of course, Brad Marchand. So she went with a different one, which I really liked. I thought that was an underrated one. Uh, Matt Niskanen just looking like a hockey player after that game. But and and Jim, I, it was funny for the Brad Marshawn one. I'm listening to your call. You didn't you didn't seem to be confused at all. You seemed to you saw it right on you the, right there. You saw the puck moving. You knew right away there, th- that game was over. But. Well, I knew if he
2: touched the puck. Now, there's a possibility that his wind moved sure. the puck somehow. So once we showed the replay where you could actually see the the, the stick touching the puck, then I, I was I was just like, come on, referees, make this decision. <laughs> this game's over. You know, that was it yeah. was going through my mind.
1: Yeah, it was almost like golf or something too. The way that just moves with the wind, you're just like, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean Jordan had a great po- uh, point because we were sitting at the post game desk and I was like, what What's going on right now? Like I've never seen that in my whole entire life. And you were completely, as Jordan mentioned, you're just sure of it. You're like, yep, that was uh, that's game. There you go. There you have it. It was so bizarre, and you were in. Uh, Jordan, you probably were too. I wasn't in, inside. Like, I was in Wells Fargo Center. As you know, the studios are there. But I wasn't inside that arena. How much did that place erupt? Uh,
0: yeah,
2: I thought, Jordan, at first it was like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they weren't quite sure. And then once they realized it, it kind of built up like a crescendo. A crescendo. Yeah, oh, you
0: got to love it. And just I will
2: say I have two here, other... Here. Yeah, I have to go ahead, Jordan. I'm
0: sorry. No, I I was saying that just the mixture of uh, cheering and then the jeering. I just yes. It's a phenomenal (laughs) sound.
2: Yeah, I had two other, uh, I don't know, honorable mentions, if you will, for moments that were more. Play, plays made by players. One would be the Provorov overtime winner in Montreal, which was a phenomenal, you know, you go coast to coast awesome. with a spectacular move. That one's right up there. And then Giroud's assist to 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 break the Bobby Clark power play assist record because he did it from his knees for crying out loud. <laughs> he makes this play uh, and made actually made a deke while he had the puck while he was on his knees, which was kind of amazing. And, and it was so appropriate. And, and I like it when G gets some some pop. Cause I do think at times, especially nationally, but even here locally at times, he's underappreciated some. And it was great to, anytime you break a record of Bobby Clark is a, a flyer record of Bobby Clark. You are doing something special. And to do it that way, I thought was kind of neat.
1: And you know what the good thing is, JJ, you're going through here and you're just, you're like, it, when you, we were asked that question too, I think maybe the same for you. Like what was your favorite moment from this season? Don't lie. Like you sat there and you had to like, sort of think what your favorite was because this team has been so remarkable in different ways this season.
2: They have. And really, guys, It's it's been a fun season. Uh, we've had a lot of seasons where there have been streaks of fun. But this team, even uh, given some serious adversity, some uh, really adversity that makes us all think about life, and again, uh, this happens with, with this whole suspension this season, but I'm, I'm referring obviously to, to Oscar's situation, Uh, with all that they've overcome uh, it really was a remarkable season it had that feel of a special season which is why this is so disappointing uh it's hard with what's going on in the world right now to to put a uh, the disappointment of a lost hockey season in perspective because this other stuff is we're talking about life-threatening illness uh, and, and 163 deaths in our country alone right now i mean it's it's it obviously is way above and beyond anything sports can do but from our little bubble from our our flyers uh, nation perspective this was as fun a season as we've had probably since 2010 or 2010 11 and uh, it was just it, what's great about it is there's a lot of young players so you really had to feel that this is the start of something and that at least holds because once we get back to playing we will at some point and this is still a team that has a very bright future but just the development of the young players the 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 veterans Buying into Elaine Vigneault's system, uh, some of the middle-aged players just turning into uh, superstars like Sean Couturier. Uh, it really it was a fun, fun season, and I say was because uh, it seems like it's over, but maybe it's not. Maybe we're still in the middle of it. But uh, if it is over, it was a it was a fun ride. It was uh, very unfortunate, obviously, that it ends before it gets a chance to see how far this team might have gone.
0: And, and right now, Jim, we're we're obviously uh, kind of forced to relive some memories right now with no games being played. I'm sure you're asked about the five overtime game in 2000 all the time, but I'm curious, how vividly do you recall that game? Just given how long it was, how vividly can you recall that and any, any favorite memory from that?
2: A couple of things come to mind from that game. One is because it was a second round playoff game where we were uh, like the sixth or seventh feed, out of uh, the igloo, um, we were way at the end of the rink. Our, our our spot was probably looking straight. We're way up high in the old Civic Arena too. But we as I was looking straight out, we were probably pretty close to one of the goals. All right, so we were at one end of the rink. So when you get into overtime of a playoff game, all you really want to do as a play-by-play announcer is you want to have a good call on the game winner. You don't want it to be uh, one of these goals where the puck goes and you don't know, see it go in or uh you know a deflection you don't see or uh, some kind of ugly goal where it bounces off of two defending players and goes and you want a good clean goal and a good clean call but when you're all the way at the end of the rink you don't see it as well you're not getting quite as good a view of the ice so i did have fears that uh, i got to be able to see this one as it turned out when preem scores i'm right over his back looking at the net he's looking at right down the ice So it was a great view of it and uh, you know, we we got through the call. I'd not even I, I had no idea what I said. Uh, Dorney called. He he captured that moment better than I did. By just saying, "Thank God it's over," but uh, <laughs> but it, it was. I, I remember that. The other memory I have is also about Dorney because as the overtimes kept going, uh, they started bringing some food up during the intermissions, which weren't as long as usual intermissions. The intermissions, as you guys know, take uh, really close to 20 minutes when all is said and done during the regular season. There's 17 minutes on the clock. And then there's a minute here, a minute there, and it ends up being almost 20 minutes. Uh, but they were 15 on the clock with not, not any real leeway there. So the, the breaks weren't as long. So you had to get that food in, eat quick and be ready to, to do a stand up to get ready for the next uh, period pretty quickly. They brought pizza up to us. And I believe, now my memory is deceiving me. I believe it was for the last period. It might have been between the might have been between the third and fourth overtimes. But either way it was it was well into the night and they brought some pizza up and we stuffed the pizza down at a piece or two. It was Coatsy Dorney and I on the broadcast. And uh, we came back and, and they kinda of surprised us. They came back a little earlier than expected from the studio and they they threw it to I know I know Katie you would never do this you would always take it right to the time you're supposed to but somebody must have gotten <laughs> done a little early back in the studio and so they said hey oh we're up in thirty seconds so we throw up our, our IFBs and we turn her on and I said hey, welcome back to the Civic Arena here in Pittsburgh and you know here we are <laughs> headed into another period of hockey and I look at Dorney and he's got pizza like. Coming out of the corner of his mouth, it's like hey, out. Know, he has no idea. Of course, it almost looks oh, like no. he even punched and was bleeding. I mean, there was <laughs> pizza, and I'm just trying to hold it together because at this point you're getting a little punchy, you know. And uh, I'm trying to hold it together. And I said, "Should I just—should I just say he's got it there? We'll have some fun with it, but I didn't didn't want to do that. You never know. Dory might not want that, and I didn't want to get him. Here. So I just—we just made it through with the with the pizza hanging there from the corner of his mouth. But the, the weird it's things beautiful. that come to. Yeah, weird Gosh. things come to your mind, eh? but it, it was the, the magic remember, of TV. Yeah, I remember <laughs> going back to the hotel and not sleeping because our flights were early in the morning. So we we went back, basically changed clothes, jump in the sh- jump in the shower, changed clothes, and um, check out and get right on our uh, bus to the airport. So it was it, it was bizarre, but you also knew you were part of not only Flyers history but NHL history as, as each period went by. So to me, it was fun. I was never tired. I never I mean, during the game, I was certainly tired after, but not tired during because the adrenaline carries you because, you know, you're part of history here. And I'm a big history sports history buff. And then the Flyers win. That certainly helps. So the series was even. And, uh, you know, really, the series was over because the Flyers would dominate the next game at home and and then win the series in six. So it was uh, a a moment, uh, a night and morning. I'll never forget.
1: Oh, that's awesome. And you answered it, too, because I, I could share that with you. Like I could understand maybe that that feeling of adrenaline, because we are on that when we cover games during right there, too. I mean, you're paying attention every pass and every minute of the game that's happening. But it is sort of a question I feel like I would have, like, geez, five OTs. I'd be like, all right, it's time to get out of here. But uh, yeah, and that was Dorney. Dorney captured, right?
2: Thank God it's over. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was what he said as soon as I got done with the call. It was awesome.
1: I would be awake, too, though, if, if you're a part of history. So what a cool moment for you to be a part of that. That's an awesome story. I was going to ask. I had to get to it. What do you love most about working with Keith Jones and Bill Clement?
2: <laughs> where, where Save the best in, for last. I could go in so many places with this question, but uh, let me say this. <laughs> I am blessed. I have two of the best analysts, and before that I had Coatsy and I had Dorney, who are awesome Coatsy's. As, as you guys know, just so much fun to be around. And, and Dorney was, uh, if ever I was in a war, I'd want Gary Dornhoffer next to me in my trench. Uh, just a, a great human being. So, and a great broadcast. I mean, all Dorney, Bill, and Jonesy all had done the game at the highest level. Dorney for CBC up in Canada. Uh, obviously, Bill for ESPN. Jonesy now for, for NBC. So, I- I've been blessed with just unbelievable People to work with Chris Terrian for a while. who You now get to work with Katie, uh, now Taryn. Just great people to to work with. And uh, as far as the guys who I'm in the booth with right now, Jonesy and Bill, you could not find two more opposite people in terms of (laughs) what they bring to the table. I mean, they are both completely great at it. Don't get me wrong. But Bill is a very prepared, everything pretty much for Bill Clement. He is a wordsmith he thinks everything through. He's got it down. He's a a poet at times with with his calls. He comes up with great phrases like telescopic leg and things like that. And I mean, he has everything in his mind prepared as you, you go into the broadcast and, and he is, he's ready to go. Jonesy is completely off the cuff. And I'm not, this is not to say he doesn't work because he does. He'd like to tell everybody out there and have everybody think he just shows up and and does the game that's not true he has an unbelievable sense and ability to see even a, a morning skate which occasionally he goes to but even the pre-game skate he can watch and see something from a player that I don't think I would look at and think was anything at all and he'll find something from that and it will apply to the game so he's unbe- he's he's dumb like a fox I like to say uh, keith jones he is he is not he likes to come off as this guy who just shows up and uh, but he, he he really knows his stuff but these two are in terms of how they approach the broadcast completely opposite and yet both right at the very top uh, of the profession so uh, i'm just absolutely 100 blessed to uh to, to to work with both of them Now, what was your exact question
1: no I I just that was it I I wanted to hear it and just like another thing too I'm still young in my career and I, I hope to achieve maybe half of the things Mr. Jim Jackson you've been able to achieve but how cool is it for you to cover players and now have them work alongside you
2: yeah it's different I remember going up to Jonesy after a playoff series against Toronto, the Flyers lost the series, but he was tremendous in that series. And I didn't even know at the time he was basically on one leg because he was close to the end of his career. But but uh, he was our best player by far. And I remember going up to him and saying, "This might not mean much coming from just the broadcast like me, but uh, you were unbelievable in that series." I you know I was it was a it was a pleasure to be able to to call you in that series uh, again, Jonesy. Now. Uh, in retrospect likes to kind of make fun of his career but he was gritty he scored big goals he got under the skin of the opponents in this series he was just just tremendous and i remember that moment and little did i know you know 5 6 years later i'd be broadcasting with him so you you just never know it's it's strange and bill i mean i i don't want to uh, this might uh, bill might not be happy with me but I actually grew up watching bill <laughs> I mean uh, not not as a young young kid but as a young broadcaster I watched bill do his ESPN work back in the uh, uh, 90s oh, yeah. and and uh, I, I to t- when he first started doing games I had to catch myself because this is somebody I had watched as a broadcaster now I'm working with him uh, so it, it is strange, Katie, when you talk about either ex-players or guys who you've watched as broadcasters to actually be in the booth with them. Uh, I had the pleasure of actually doing a, a whole Cal Ripken World Series with Cal Ripken and uh, his brother, Billy, who at the time wasn't even in broadcasting. Now, he, of course, is doing a lot of stuff for the MLB Network. But to work with those two, I'm i I'm, I'm, I'm working with Cal Ripken. How does this work? I, I, I don't get how this works. Uh, And then, of course, all the people you get to interview, Wayne Gretzky and uh, Mark Messi right down the line. It's uh, I I, every time my feet hit the ground in the morning, even during this, even during this, uh, these troubled times we live in right now, every time my feet hit the ground, I I say thanks because I'm doing what I wanted to do as a kid. I get to do it. They they pay me. Don't tell anybody. And and um, (laughs) I, I get to watch some of the best athletes in the world perform their craft and just describe it and and get paid to do it. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that.
0: That's just fascinating insight, Jim. And, um, I I think Katie and myself also continually pinch ourselves, uh, each day as we're, as we're working. And I think, uh, this time now kind of reminds us of, uh, the day-to-day stuff that we miss, uh, uh, within our job, but, uh, just awesome insight. And, um, I know I speak on behalf of All Flyers fans, that we we can't wait to hear your call again of a game. And uh, just really wanted to thank you for for joining Katie and I today. And we really look forward to seeing you soon.
2: Yeah, let's hope it is soon. I I would love to get back to work, even if it is the player's plan. Uh, But uh, we'll see what happens. I want to say this before I leave, though. Jordan, you do a tremendous job. I mean, no one knows out there probably unless somebody tells people because they're not going to know, but you work as hard as anybody I've ever seen. He never I mean, has a like, day off. Yeah. You're <laughs> like the last person to leave always from the, the, the skate zone I hear. And I see your work at the games. I see your, I, I read your work and you do a tremendous job at Katie. Great, great addition to our team. Uh, you've oh, done a spectacular today. job in your first year. You've had to be able to put up with Chris Terry and Al Morgani. I mean, how do you do that? And Colby? I mean, you, you, you should deserve some kind of medal just for that, but uh,
1: they no. are all of you guys. Thank you, JJ. All of you guys are my biggest friends. I'm calling home. My parents are like, how's it going? I'm like, well, my uh, biggest friends are the people I work with. And I think that's sort of how it happens when he moved to a new city. So you guys have made it easy. And Jordan, he's, he nailed it right on the head. I mean, we can't wait to hear your call again, but one of my biggest things, JJ, I cannot wait to get back. And on a game or pre game, just hear you say puck steep just for me <laughs> um
2: that would just i tried as many times as i could you know
1: and i just i appreciate your passion for that that's been really what, nice so what i
2: love is jonesy has no idea that that's your big phrase oh and he he, he says it from time to time just as a part of his
1: in his on ice live description I hear yeah that.
2: And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I hope she respects that because that's not intentional. He's he's just saying it. He's saying it for real. They got to get pucks he, deep. But
1: yeah, but he says it like very sharply too. So sometimes I'm like, does he know? You know? Wow just is like is there a way? Is, is there really Katie? Deep, Katie? Is is, is like,
2: there a way to say it now? I've I've got to learn this. There's no there's no
1: way. But I'm saying you can. Hey, as long as you're saying pucks deep, that's pucks great. Deep. But with. Uh, Keith Jones like you mentioned that he has no idea because I could feel that too like after a game I'm like hey thanks for doing that and he's like he's always smiling because he's such a happy guy <laughs> like, so I'm kind of like does he know or does he not <laughs> Jordan <laughs> knows how much we love Puck Steep though too
2: JJ, yeah, well, I can't wait to say Puck Steep to you on the air one yeah and I very hope soon. we hey.
1: I hope we are back so soon. You're right. And I have to echo Jordan. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jim Jackson. You are more than welcome anytime. Um, Especially during this time. We hope it doesn't last long, but always welcome back. So good to have you.
2: It was fun guys. Anytime.
0: Thank you, Jim. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, You are the best. And, um, and Katie Ember, thank you very much. As this is the latest Flyers Talk podcast. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, please rate us and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time.
2: Fox Deep. Fox Deep. Fox Deep. <laughs> Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader.